This is the World Industrial News for Friday, October 21st, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part eight of their podcast, How to Leverage the U.S. Infrastructure Bill to Modernize the U.S. Power Grid. Technology is going to influence what we can do throughout. throughout. I can give a few examples. Uh, one of the issues is that we must make the power that's being generated from renewable resources, we must make it more dispatchable. Because if you simply have a group of windmills popping up and down like a jackrabbit, that doesn't really help the grid. That hurts the grid. Because sometimes, even in times of power shortage, you end up with too much power. And you have to be able to do something with that power because, again, all of this goes at the speed of light. Electricity communicates back and forth between everybody at the speed of light. So one of the ways we see technology being used is we look at these uh, batteries and the cost of batteries, which are dropping very, very rapidly. And they then can be paired with something like a solar farm to, in the aggregate, they look like something dispatchable. On the smaller consumer ones, specifically, there's provisions for aggregation within the smart grid. And what that means is that these things work and they're more valuable if they can be dispatched by an operator to actually keep the grid balanced. The other thing, and probably the hardest thing technically to do is what's called stability, voltage and frequency stability. What happens in in power, if you're trying to transmit power down a line and you don't have sufficient power, then what happens is the frequency starts to lag. And that's the way the grid is saying, send me more, send me more. And so the, the frequency becomes a very important parameter within the grid. Well, sometimes the newer technology, for example, large DC grids or large DC assets like solar farms or wind farms may drop offline, and that would have a tremendously different effect than a rotating equipment with its all inertia. And so the measurements in the sensors that are managing the frequency and voltage stability of the grid are much higher speed. 120 times a second type of speed, so they can manage that. And finally, what I, what I have to say is, and I keep talking of the communication between the parts of the grid, this requires scale. And the scale of this job is a function of physics. And so if you say my scale is, say, within a state or within a distribution network, then that simply doesn't work because physics is saying the sun is shining very hard on this part of the country. We have floods on this part of the country. And physics says we have to be able to distribute power in proportion to where it's needed in the different parts. Technology will affect all those. It will affect it in what they call IoT, which is sort of shorthand for saying we're going to measure a lot more than we used to measure. We're going to measure things in the household. We're going to measure them in transmission. We're going to measure them in generation. It's going to influence 
in the technology and being able to predict ahead, look and have algorithms and systems that say we need so much power tomorrow based on this weather pattern and based on what we know about the changes that are coming. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. The U.S. government is backing the efforts of two U.S.-based companies that specialize in the development of lithium technology. The U.S. Department of Energy recently awarded grants of nearly $150 million each to Piedmont Lithium and Albemarle Corporation to develop a pair of lithium development facilities, which will cater to the electrical grid and the growing market for electric vehicles. Industrial Info is tracking $1.95 billion and $2.33 billion in active projects from Piedmont and Albemarle, respectively. The awards are part of a broader effort by the Biden administration to expand domestic manufacturing of battery materials for electric vehicles and the electric grid. Freeport LNG's liquefied natural gas production and export plant in Texas is aiming to have more than 85% capacity back online in November. However, the company still must clear hurdles from the U.S. Pipeline Hazardous Materials and Safety Administration before the restart. The Freeport plant, which can process 2 billion cubic feet per day of natural gas and export up to 15 million metric tons of LNG per year, suffered an explosion and fire on June 8th, forcing the plant to shut down. Repair works have been ongoing since that time with the aim for a partial restart later this year. Though high commodity prices are exacerbating inflationary strains, Swiss investment bank UBS said that oil priced at $100 per barrel was necessary to restore the balance between supply and demand. Crude oil and natural gas prices are moving further away from peak levels this year amid growing concerns the global economy is headed toward a recession. The International Monetary Fund, in its latest estimate, put global growth at 3.2%. 2% for 2022, and it expects a slowdown of 2.7% next year. And after years of a moratorium on offshore drilling activities in the Philippines, Australian company Sagasco Limited with subsidiary Nido Petroleum Philippines will commence drilling in the Cadlao and Nandino fields offshore Palawan by the first half of next year. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck reporting for Industrial Info News.